we really cooked them Canadian bastards, didn't we? I kid, I kid. <laughs> Welcome to another edition of the It's Cavalier podcast. It's your boy, Mac. And tonight, our Cleveland Cavaliers took on the Toronto Raptors for the third and final time this season. The first matchup between the two was a tightly contested game in which Cleveland held on to win 105-102. Darius Garland led the way as he dazzled his way to a game-high 24 points on a very, very efficient 10 of 16 from the field. Now, the second matchup was another highly competitive contest, but resulted in a Raptors win by the score of 124 to 121. In that one, not even 31 points off the bench from our own Karis LeVert was enough to get the job done as the Raptors starters, including new additions, RJ Barrett and Emmanuel Quickly, matched every single goddamn run the Cavs threw their way now in the rubber match or tonight's game rather it was all Cavs as eight yes count them eight different Cavaliers managed to score in double figures en route to a decisive 119 to 95 throttling of the wraps what's even more impressive is that not a single player scored 20 or more points in the process six players including all five starters took 10 or more shots but no one took more than 13 it was about as well balanced an effort as you will ever see from this team everyone who played significant minutes for the wine and golders tonight got involved there just seemed to be an undeniable energy in the ball as the team as a whole finished with 36 total assists that's the second highest mark this season behind only their january 3rd victory over the washington wizards in which they just completely beat the fuck out of the wizards <laughs> they had 37 in that game they was moving that damn ball tonight Five different Cavaliers had at least four assists in this one, led by recently returned Darius Garland, who had eight helpers on the night as he continues to try and reestablish himself and return to his all-star caliber form. And I'll tell you guys, his shot definitely looks a little flat, but he's getting there slowly but surely. So just have some patience. Although he would finish the night with just 11 points on 411 from the field, his control over the game, you know, that facilitation, that floor generalness that we all have come to love over the years uh, made his impact definitely felt. And it's only a matter of time before his attempts start falling, in my opinion. I really, really dig the pace that he operates at, honestly, and the chemistry that he's managed to build with Jared Allen and Evan Mobley over the years have really been something that he can lean on as he works his way into the fold once more. Whether him, uh, whether it's him using a simple DHO or a pick and roll set to free himself for either a drive to the basket or even a pocket pass to one of them. All but two of his 11 attempts on the night came directly after a screen or multiple screens from the bigs. And really the only thing that I am not a fan of at the moment is when he elects to pull up from three-point distance coming off of said screen. And listen, we all know, including the opposition, the ops, that Darius Garland is a very capable and dangerous shooter, which is evidenced by the fact that defenders go over the screen oftentimes to defend him. It's just not working right now. In fact, since returning, Darius Garland is shooting just 22.7% from three-point distance on about 3.7 attempts per game. He's 5 of 16, which is 31.2% for you math buffs out there on pull-up triples and an even worse 2 of 11 on catch-and-shoot threes in that same span of time. Now, this does not discourage me, not one bit. I know he's going to get his rhythm back, and the only way for him to do it is by taking the shot. So keep shooting the damn ball, Darius. That's all I can say right now. But honestly, 
it's got to be great to come back and have a steadying presence or multiple presences out there to take pressure off of you. And that's exactly what Darius has at his disposal. Take your pick. Whether it be Donovan Mitchell, who proved beyond a shadow of a doubt that he has a fully capable option, fully capable of stepping into the rule of floor general in DG's absence. Evan Mobley, who continues to impress with his burgeoning three-point shot, or the dominant Jared Allen, who demands to be involved now. The Cavs have options, which means Garland doesn't have to kill himself trying to get back into the swing of things, no matter how much we fans moan and groan about it. He can take it slowly and allow others to take over if necessary. It's such a damn luxury, Cavs fans, to have this level of positional versatility at your disposal. Now, I know I've harped on Garland for a while now, so let me switch gears here a moment and discuss Evan Mobley, who finished the game with 17 points and 11 rebounds, which is his 16th double-double of the season and fourth since returning to the lineup. Look, his overall stat line has been impressive since coming back. I mean, he's averaging 16.7 points, 9.7 rebounds, and 3.3 assists during the stretch. But what has really, really got me impressed is that this motherfucker is finally establishing himself as a floor spacing presence out there at power forward, which is an amazing fucking development, by the way. In the six games he's appeared in since coming back, he is shooting 54.5% from three-point distance. And before you get it twisted, because I know some of you will, I know it's low volume. But still, he's making 1.0 of his 1.8 three-point attempts per game and is 6 of 11 total, including this beauty that Scotty Barnes waved off. This is when you get yourself truly back in the game. Raptors down 15, the three. Mobley, 41% from three-point range. You know, he just had to feel stupid about that one after the fact. Try him at your own risk. A consistent three-point shot from Evan Mobley changes everything. It really does. Not only could it help keep the defense honest and open the floor up even more for the others around him, but it could completely shift the narrative surrounding his fit with Jared Allen, which is tiring. I, I'm so tired of seeing people suggest that these two cannot fit together. Now, we know that these two are basically a match made in heaven from a defensive standpoint because of how well the two complement one another due to their switchiness. But offensively speaking, the only thing truly holding this front court pairing back is a consistent floor spacing presence. We have hoped and dreamed for years now that one of them would develop a shot and Mobley was always the one with more pure touch and skill as a shooter. So it makes sense that he would be the one to do it. He's just got to do it every game now, or at least consistently enough so that the opposing team has to re uh, respect his shot enough not to completely disregard him. This appears to be happening before our very fucking eyes. If he has truly unlocked this part of his game, it's over for the league. Nobody can beat us. Nobody can touch us. And I know y'all are sick and tired of hearing me say this is a title contender without actual playoff success behind it to back my opinion. But God damn it, let me sit up here and rant because I am seeing something special from this team. And Evan Mobley taking that leap, being able to knock down that three-point shot, my God, that just makes the Cavs even more scary. And so appreciate that. If Evan Mobley has, in fact, developed into a considerable or at least respectable three-point shooter, that just quells and squashes any potential narrative surrounding Jared Allen and him not being a good front court pairing. 
because of how well they fit with one another. Seriously, on a defensive standpoint, they can switch out to the perimeter if they need to. They can defend the post. Both of them are interchangeable in that regard, although Evan Mobley is slightly, if not, okay, I'm not going to disrespect him. He's a better switch defender in that regard out in that perimeter than Jared Allen. But Jared Allen is no slouch himself. He can do the damn thing when it comes to that. And then offensively speaking, both of them can space the floor from a vertical standpoint. We know how they are. They are lob threats out there. We know Jared Allen has a pretty solid mid-range game that we all wish that he would uh, he, he would elect to take more of. And Evan Mobley is much the same. He can do that. He just hasn't leaned into it this much, uh, that much this season. He has in years past. But if he can shoot that three-point shot, maybe three or four attempts per game like he did tonight, man, that just changes things. It opens the floor up. It makes defenses have to respect you, and it allows them to play four out more. Seriously, (laughs) you can just surround the five-man with shooters out there, and Evan Mobley could potentially be one of those shooters, meaning you don't have to stagger their minutes as much. This is exciting stuff, in case you couldn't tell. Um, Jared Allen was a force of nature out there tonight, getting anything and everything that he wanted on his way to a stat line of 18 points, 15 rebounds, and two assists. Hell, he had half of that by halftime, if you guys didn't realize that. He recorded his 24th double-double of the season. Now, offensively speaking, you will be hard-pressed to find a more efficient player out there. He knows his game, and he excels at it. Tonight, he attacked the paint like a man possessed. There were floaters. There were alley-oops. There were contested dunks. And perhaps one of my favorite sights from him has been the continued chemistry that he has developed with Max Struess, which is apparent on dribble handoffs between the two in which Allen will cut to the basket and Struess will find him with a well-timed bounce pass for a makeable layup or two at the rim. He has just constantly found himself in the paint where all 18 of his points were scored tonight. It was also Allen's seventh game of the season in which he has had at least 15 rebounds and his eighth with at least six offensive rebounds. Now, fun fact, he's actually fourth league-wide in offensive rebounds per game. His ability to generate second-chance opportunities has been a really, really underappreciated aspect of the Cavaliers' success this season, in my opinion. Now, Isaac Okoro also should be referenced here. He had another good game. He deserves a shout-out for providing his typical brand of elite defense and finishing with yet another double-digit scoring total. That's already the 18th time he's managed to do that this season. Now, that might not sound like a worthwhile stat on the surface, but considering that he has had 18 such games all season last year, color me stoked. He surpassed last year's total, and we still got over 31 games left on the season. And at this rate, I would not be surprised one damn bit if Isaac ended up with the first double-digit scoring season of his career. And even if he doesn't, because that's very possible that he doesn't now that he is headed back to the bench, right? This is still by far the best season of his career, in my opinion. His three-point percentage is way up. His attempts are up. His confidence is up. The hair's up. Everything just seems to be going his way right now. (laughs) This is the version of Isaac Okoro that the Cavs desperately need to make a a deep playoff run. And honestly, had Isaac been healthier last year heading into the postseason, the outcome may have been different because the confidence was there. He was shooting the ball 
fairly well prior to exiting with the uh, left knee soreness, right, that he had last year, in which he returned, obviously, heading into the playoffs, but he had a lengthy layoff, and that threw off the rhythm, in my opinion, and it was still nagging him. It was nagging him this season because he sat out a few games because of it, right? But Isaac has been playing some of the best damn basketball of his career. He's been playing confidently. Teams are no longer going to be able to fully ignore him out on the perimeter because he's one, he's pulling up more ever, more than ever. He is taking more shots from the corners more than ever. And he is hitting them more than ever. Really everything about his game just screams improvement, even on the defensive side of the ball where he has held his matchups to below 44% on the season, including below 35% from three point distance. The numbers just keep getting better and better and so i've been really really impressed with him you guys know i've been riding or dying for this dude all all of his career right and i made i made no bones about this isaac was not the player that i wanted in the 2020 draft initially that would be obi toppin for those of you who may not have heard me say that before because i am from dayton ohio and the dayton flyers they got fucking robbed in 2020 due to the pandemic didn't get to compete for an NCAA title, which I feel like they had a pretty solid chance of winning. Uh, winning, And for me, that was a huge reason why I wanted the Cavaliers to draft Obi Toppin at that time. So when we selected Isaac Okora, I'm like, okay, you know what? This is a perimeter defender that the Cavs clearly need, especially after drafting Darius Garland and Colin Sexton uh, in years prior. And Isaac, he, he really intrigued me because there was a 3 and D presence waiting to uh, to be developed, right? It was in his game, and I feel like that is, while he's still developing, the the, the dude is showing all signs that all the signs are, are are really starting to point to him becoming that three and D prototype player that all NBA teams would love to have on their roster. And honestly, if this man does not finish with some all defensive attention this year, the league can go fuck itself. <laughs> I, I I mean I mean that with the most sincerity uh, that I, that I've ever echoed. If this man does not get some all defensive attention, I just do not know what people are looking for because he has been that good. I think he will, but you know, I, you, you never really know in regards to these things because some players make the all defensive team who uh, maybe not, maybe not as deserving as others. I'll just put it that way. But he was, he, he was, again, phenomenal tonight. Now, I have to go over to the Toronto side of things because I can't just sit here, sit up here and gloat about what a wonderful win this was in the face of Scotty Barnes, who, you know, just recently got named to the All-Star team as a replacement over our own Jared Allen. Travesty aside, as that may be, I can't just ignore the game that he had because Scotty was pretty good tonight himself. He did finish the night with a triple double 24 points, 10 boards, 10 assists on nine to 15 from the field. Did have a block of steel too. And he really was the, 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 the pillar out there for them. He is their best player now with, uh, with the likes of Pasco Siakam having moved on to the Indiana Pacers. Right. And so, they got some interesting pieces here. You still got you got Barnes, who you're obviously building around. You traded for RJ Barrett. You got Emmanuel quickly. You still got Gary Trent on your roster, Yaka Pertle. And as much as it pains me to say this because I hate his fucking guts, Kelly Olinick. Um, Kelly Olinick is a solid player. I just will never like him for his role that he played in the 2014-15 uh, playoffs, in which he fucking ripped Kevin Love's shoulder out of his socket. 
I will never forget that. And so I'll probably always hate Kelly for that, but I do respect Kelly's game. So he's a solid piece that, he ha- that they have there. They have Ochai Abaji, who was also included in that deal that brought Kelly to um, to Toronto. And so Abaji, uh, that is somebody that I'm probably going to be keeping my eye on for the next couple of seasons just because of his connections to the Cavaliers after being drafted. But they do have some solid young talent there. But I say all this to say these two teams are in two different tiers right now. Clearly, Toronto is still trying to figure things out at, at 19 to 34 right now after making all of these deals. And they've essentially, in my opinion, punted on this season and probably rightfully so. It was time to just fully cut the cord on the OG saga, on the Pascal saga, just because those two guys, they just didn't fit the timeline anymore in regards to what they wanted to do as leftover relics of a bygone era for the, from championship era in Toronto with Kawhi Leonard and company. But even in saying that, um, I still like what direction that they are headed in. They do have some talent there. And this series between the Cavaliers and Toronto, it's not LeBronto anymore, right? Although Cleveland has won the season series now at 2-1, to one, it's no longer LeBronto. These are competitive matchups, and I love to see it. And just purely based off the fact that Scotty and Evan were taken back-to-back, right, in, in the draft, um, <laughs> they're they're always going to be linked. Those two will always be linked in some form or fashion. And the the fuel to the fire that that has been Scotty just absolutely ripping award season recognition or all-star recognition away from the Cavaliers is just it, it only adds fuel to the fire, right? First, not only does he steal rookie of the year away from Evan Mobley, but he steals the all-star replacement spot from Jared Allen. And so there's always going to be some level of um, contention between our fan bases. But I feel like it's a respectful contention. It's not like the New York Knicks right now where where fans are just chirping at at Cavaliers fans because of that series last year. And by God, never have I seen one series just impact two fan bases so much. (laughs) It's not like either of them won a championship. Uh, But yes, it's not that there's a healthy respect between two opponents. And and that's something that I can get behind. And I just love it, man. The Cavaliers are in a good spot. They have now won 17 of their last 18 games, which is just flat out phenomenal. They've won their last nine games. So they're on a nine game win streak. First time they've done that in years. Uh, just I could not be any happier about the place that this team is in. And I do truly believe that they are a title contender, despite not having seen them want a playoff series yet with this current core, but stay tuned because I feel like that is on the way. Everything is better this year. We have more spacing. We have the depth. Our coaching has improved. Literally there is no aspect of this team that is the same as last year. And so that's what kills me. Some people see this team and they're like, "Oh yes, you've had this regular season success, but until it translates into the postseason, we don't give a fuck about what you're doing." Not realizing that what they're doing is quite special, honestly, and just not being able to enjoy the ride. For those fans, I say, "Hop on board." But if you haven't come to playoffs, I will save you a seat in the second round because that is how fucking confident i am in this team i can't wait man i can't wait this team if i'm not mistaken they have two games left heading into the all-star break and then they get to recharge they get to refresh for a little bit maybe 
you know, sit down, take a break, have a few drinks, whatever. I don't know what these guys do in their off time, but uh, I hope they take a break because they certainly deserve it. We know we know Donovan, well, at least we know what he's going to be doing. He will be participating in the All-Star festivities as he is going to be a participant in the All-Star game itself, as well as the three-point challenge, right? Which we all believe Sam Merrill should have been part of. What a fucking ridiculous turnout that is. But uh, yeah, this team, they're in a good place right now. And so hopefully they are starting to change your opinion. If you're one of those fans that that deep down in your heart, you want to root for the team, but you're just scared because of what happened in that series. Just let that hurt go, man. Let it go. This is a different team. This is a different year. And the East is as open as it's been in a long, long time. That said, as I always tell you guys, if you'd like to reach out to me, you know how you can. It's Cavalier underscore pod on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and more. If you would like to be added to the It's Cavalier Discord chat, you know what to do. Leave a rating, leave a review, take a screenshot of said review, and send it to itscavalier53 at gmail.com, and I will send you an invite. Go Cavs.